Uh, welcome to Wednesday night. Uh, it's good to be back on a Wednesday night. I know that it's been a while since we've done something like this, but man, I'm excited to speak to you guys tonight. Excited for us to dig into God's Word. Um, I want to share a little bit about something that I was reading a little while back in uh, one of my hear journals. And kind of came into this, um, this group of Pharisees and Jesus' disciples in this really odd moment that they shared. And so tonight, that's what I want to look at. And I talked to you guys a little bit earlier about how many guys do you, would, would you say you're a good observer? Like, you think you're a good observer in the room, people in here. Yeah? Some of you guys, absolutely. How many of you guys would say, I'm not a good observer? Perfect, perfect, perfect. You guys are perfect for this little game I want to play really quick. Okay. How many of you guys have a phone in here? Do most people have a phone in here? All right. If you don't have a phone, it's okay. You just have to have a really good memory. If you have a phone, I want you to take your phone out of your pocket, out of your purse, out of wherever it is right now. Pull it out, and I want you to pull the notes section up, okay? Um, believe it or not, all your phones have a notes section. You guys can go on to that right now, and you can take out notes. You can do notes tonight. Um, that's something crazy that I'm going to welcome you to do. But this first part isn't anything to do with that. This first part, you guys are all ready for it, right? I'm going to give you 20 seconds. I'm going to show you a picture. I want you to look at this picture, and I want you to observe everything about it. I want you to tell me the colors. I want you to tell me everything you see. I want you to just write it all down. You have 20 seconds to see as much as you can possibly see starting right now. <laughs> That's not what you want to hear when you first start, right? It's, it's green. <laughs> it's just green. That's <laughs> so good. It's so good. All right, all right. You got about 10 seconds left. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Time's up. Time's up. Don't write any more notes, okay? Don't, don't be a cheater. I am 100% sure you guys absolutely crushed this game. I got one question for you. One question for every single one of you guys. You ready for the question? Did you see the chameleon? Did you see the chameleon? All right, did you find it? Where was it? All right, how many of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, if you're honest in here? All right, let me show you real quick, all right? Right there in almost the middle of this picture, there's a chameleon sitting right there, right? And so, you know, some of us, when it comes to life, we kind of go through this, and we go through life, and we just are blind to what's around us, right? Like, like if I didn't know the chameleon was there, like, I probably would have missed it too, right? Like, it's, it's hard to see that, but like, now that you're looking at it, you're like, yeah, I absolutely see it. And, and so... Here's the thing. I've always thought it was a little bit weird when I'm reading the Bible and the people don't understand Jesus is the Messiah. Right? Like, like, as a guy who's reading this, as a guy who, you know, I mastered in it and, and I, I went through my undergrad and everything, even as a kid, like you guys' age, it always was weird to me that the disciples didn't necessarily know Jesus as the Messiah. But especially the Pharisees, right? But clearly... There were some issues. And so tonight, what I want to do is I want to invite you guys to open your Bibles if you brought them to Mark chapter 8, okay? Mark chapter 8 is where we're going to be tonight. We're going to look at just a few verses out of this tonight. And I want to share this, <coughs> excuse me, because this was something that really stood out to me one day when I was, when I was reading through this. And I, I just had questions. And I can remember reading this as I was your age and just thinking to myself, what does this mean? And so I want to take a chance tonight, and I just want to look through it with you guys. It says this. 
Mark chapter 8. Can you guys stand with me? We're going to read God's word right now. Uh, if you were at camp with us, you guys got used to this a little bit, and I've enjoyed doing this a little bit here recently. So Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 11, it says this. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, demanding of him a sign from heaven to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, why does this generation demand a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, got back in the, into the boat, and went to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to take bread and had only a loaf with them in the, in the boat. Then he gave them strict orders. Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They were discussing among themselves that they did not have any bread. Aware of this, he said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not understand or comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? Do your eyes, do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? And do you not remember? All right. This is God's word. You guys can be seated. So what you need to know, jumping into this passage, right? This just came off of one of the biggest miracles, right? Jesus had just fed over 4,000 people, which is two loaves of bread. It's absolutely insane. And so we go into this part, and we see that the Pharisees are demanding for Jesus to do a miracle. So there's a problem, though, okay? There's a problem that both of these groups have. So we got the Pharisees here, and then who, do we, who else do we have? The disciples. Okay, we got two people. All right, both of these people have a problem. Here's their problem. They can't see what Jesus is doing right in front of their eyes. Right? Jesus had proven time and time again he was who he said he was, right? He was and is fact the, the promised Messiah. He was the Son of God, the Redeemer of all things. And yet, just like a second ago, for you guys who didn't see the chameleon in our picture, the people didn't see this. All right? The Pharisees, they had an issue. Jesus' disciple, they had the same observation problem, right? See, here's the thing, though. I think there was different reasons between, or behind each group's reason. And so what I want to do is I want to study this a little bit with you guys tonight because that's what I've taken a little time to do. So first, let's kick things off with the Pharisees. The Pharisees. <coughs> we see this in Mark chapter 8, verse 11. The Pharisees came and they began to argue with him, demanding of him a sign from heaven to test him. Over and over again, we see that the Pharisees come to Jesus and they want a miracle. They want him to say something that will trip him up, okay? And so here's the issue, and this is kind of the problem with the Pharisees, and we see this throughout Scripture, okay? The Pharisees, they look at Jesus as if he's a magician, right? They look at him as if he's a vending machine. They look at him as if he can just do these things, and they think that he has Satan living inside of him. He thinks he has a demon living inside of him, and that's how he can do these things, okay? But Jesus, when he's talking to these guys at this point, he said, I'm not going to do any more miracles. Okay, so we're in Mark chapter 8, okay? Mark chapter 8. That means there's seven chapters in front of this. Right, Matthew? Got me? Right? We're good. There's seven chapters in front of this. How many miracles do you think have happened between chapters 1 through 8, Matthew? That's it. You're right on. Everybody, round of applause for Matthew right there. I'm serious. That was the absolute right answer. A lot, all right? When we look at this, just so far, what I saw in this, when we start to look at this, simply some of his miracles. Here you go. 
He's healed a leper. He's healed a paralytic. He's healed a blind guy. He walked on water during a severe storm. He calmed the storm by speaking to it. He resurrected a dead girl. He healed a woman of a lifetime ailment. He fed thousands of people by miraculously breaking bread into two. He didn't do that just once. He's done it twice already. And we're just in the first eight chapters. All right? So Jesus has done a lot already, right? We see this. And so Jesus is looking at the Pharisees when they're asking for a miracle, when they're saying, can't you do another sign? He's looking at them. He's like, are you serious? Right? Have you guys ever had that moment with your parents? More particularly your mom. If your mom's the one who cooks in your house, my mom was the one who cooked at our house. Where she cooked something, like, and you know, like, she worked really hard on this. But then you look there and you're kind of like, hmm, I really don't want to eat this. Can I eat, like, something else instead, like McDonald's instead? You guys ever had that moment? Like, you really didn't want what your parents had made for you, but, like, then you look at your mom, and what does your mom look back at you and say? <laughs> well, one, she wants to probably, Right? Wants to slap that head off, right? But no, 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 no. Like, no. You will eat what I made for you, and you will like it. <laughs> Michaelin's laughing in the back because she knows I'm right, right? We've been there. We've done that. Jesus looks at the Pharisees. For real, bro? You need another miracle to go along with this. You see the ridiculousness of this request, right? Like, wouldn't it be easy for Jesus, like, just to, like, pull out and do some kind of magic trick really quick for them and pull out a miracle? No, he's already done that over and over again. Mark 8, 12, and 13. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, why does this generation demand a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, he got back in the boat, and went to the other side. Now, it's a good thing I'm not Jesus, Right? And some of you guys are in the same boat with me here. I can be a prideful guy. And if these guys would have came to me and said one more time, hey, yo, Mike, can you do another miracle, man? We just don't believe you are who you say you are. Oh, I got a miracle for you. We've got to rain down some fire right here on you. You're going to feel my pain. Right? Like, like, I'm just saying, like, the reason Jesus didn't bother with another sign is because he knew the truth. And here's the truth. The truth was this. The Pharisees were unwilling to see what Jesus was doing. Now, I've been watching the Chosen series. I don't know if you guys have watched that at all, but it's, it's phenomenal, okay? For if you haven't watched it, man, like, it brings Jesus to life in a whole different way. And so I encourage you guys, go home, check this out. I promise, like, it's worth your time. It, it'll shine a different light on Jesus for you. It'll also show you the Pharisees in a different light. And see, Jesus could have performed a hundred miracles. It wouldn't have mattered because the Pharisees were so unwilling to see what was right in front of them. But the truth is, I think we're like that too. I think that oftentimes simply here today that this problem still exists, that many of us are unwilling to open our eyes and observe. There's a whole lot of evidence for God's existence all around us if we take the time to look. Now let's think about creation just for a second, right? The beauty of creation points to a good and wise, wise creator, right? Hmm. Just for example, I want to give you guys a few things I didn't know existed until recently. Let's kick things off with the Rainbow Mountains. Look at that. Absolutely gorgeous. This is the Rainbow Mountains. It's found in China, all right? I had no idea that these things were real. These really exist, all right? Let's go to another one, all right? Here's a place I'd love to visit. This is Iceland. 
okay? This is called the Blue Lagoon, all right? Look at that. Like, like, can you imagine swimming in that? I have to imagine, like, if you were to swim at this at the right time, like, you come out and you just look like Thor when you're coming out of this, right? Because I think, like, you're going to get some kind of magical powers just because it's so absolutely beautiful. And then, you know, this is creation. This is what God has done. I think God reveals himself to us in creation. But I think oftentimes we have our eyes closed to it, and we don't necessarily look and see what's all around us. This is a good, I'm going to mess this up. I, I can't even say it right. A good zoo falls in Argentina. All right? If you look at that, what's right behind me right now, that looks like something that you would see in a movie. It looks like something that maybe if you've ever seen Avatar, that's what it looks like it came from, right? But no, this is what God created, right? This is what God, the, the, the creator of everything did. So my question to you guys is this. Do you think this kind of beauty came into existence accidentally? Or that some kind of big bang kind of made this happen? No chance. I mean, when you look at this, when you see, like, what this really looks like, it's like God's holding up a sign and he's saying, here's your sign that I'm real. Here's your sign that, that I truly am who I say I am. But not only just that, think about the people around you. Think about their stories. Think about stories of life change. This, just this past Sunday, man, we got to baptize four of our students. We got to baptize and celebrate with them that their lives are no longer the same, that God has completely changed them, that God has gotten a hold of them, and that now they're walking a completely different way. We got to celebrate that, and I was excited to do that. But not only that, like, there's answered prayers that happen in here. And, you know, there's, there's also miraculous healings that still take place. But here's the thing. If you aren't willing to believe, you will overlook and discredit even the most obvious signs of God. I know this is true because I do this. I know this is true because, because I've got to get better at pointing at the evidence, looking back at what God's got for me. And the truth is, is if you're in this category with me, it's okay. Because maybe it's time for us to start to look at things differently. Remember, we talked about one group so far. We talked about the Pharisees. They weren't willing to open their eyes. They weren't willing to truly see what God had for them. But... The disciples were different. The disciples, I'm pretty sure they had a different reason going on behind what was happening with them. Let's read about it really quick. Mark 8, 14 through 18 says this. The disciples had forgotten to take bread and had only one loaf with them in the boat. Then he gave them strict orders. Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They were discussing among themselves that they did not have any bread. Aware of this, he said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you understand? Don't you understand or comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? And do you not remember? You see, Jesus had just shrugged off the Pharisees' request for another miracle. And he said, hey, boys, hop in the boat. Let's go over here. Let's do a little discipleship really quick. All of a sudden, Jesus is ready to talk to his boys. And the boys, the disciples who he's hanging out with, they're now more concerned with what they're going to eat. Now, if we're completely honest in the room, I don't want you guys to turn around. Rusty's sitting in the back of the room. So maybe raise your hands, maybe don't. I'll let you guys choose. 
Has there ever been a time where you've been sitting in a church service? It could be tonight, but it's probably happened more so on Sunday mornings. Where Rusty's bringing a good message, right? But all of a sudden, your stomach's got a little grumble to it, right? All of a sudden, you're starting to think, mm, man, that clock's getting awfully close to 12 o'clock. I'm starting to get a little bit hungry. I wonder what we're going to have for dinner at Granny's today. Oh, El Tapatia? Mm, we better get us a table. We better be getting there real quick. Rusty, I'm going to need you to wrap this up. Now, don't raise your hands because I don't want you to embarrass yourself or embarrass Rusty. You ever been there? Well, that's where the disciples find themselves. Disciples, they're in the boat with Jesus. They've got one loaf of bread. They're hungry. And Jesus says, don't you guys get it? Don't you understand? You don't need to worry about the bread of this world. Like, I got you. I'm the bread of life. Are you blind? Do you not remember? You see, here's the thing I think happened with the disciples, and I think it happens to us quite often. The disciples are inattentive to what Jesus was doing. In other words, they weren't paying attention, right? If the disciples would have stopped and used even a small part of their brains, they could have learned something from Jesus and calmed their worries about what they were about to eat. But instead, they listened to their belly. And I think a lot of us can relate to this struggle. It's not that we don't believe Jesus, because I think a lot of us really do believe Jesus in this room. I think a lot of us would say, when it comes to his word, we truly agree with him. We believe he's the Messiah. But the distractions of this life have caused our attention not to focus on him. And that's what happened with his disciples. They were too distracted to fully take the words of Jesus to their heart. You see, I think we're like that. Every single day is an opportunity for us to see God moving in a different way. From waking up in the morning and seeing the blue sky, from talking to people in our school, in our classes with us. These are gifts from God. And then there's a chance for us to hear from God. Now, some of you guys, you're going into your senior year. You want to know what God wants you to do with your life. So you're like, God, I'm listening. God, I'm listening. Just tell me. Please tell me, right? But sometimes here's what happens. We get a little bit distracted. We don't quite listen how we should be listening. All right? You guys have that friend. Don't call them out if they're sitting next to you. That can't be quiet to save their life. Like, no, 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 no. Not, not, not like, like quiet, quiet. I'm talking about like, do you have that loud friend in your life whose whisper is more like a normal person's voice? Like when you're at the movie theater, you know that you don't want them to say anything. You don't sit next to them because they're going to completely distract everybody there. Right? Like, like it's impossible to miss their voice. Well, if we're honest, I think we all have somebody like that in our life. But I don't think God speaks to us very often in loud voices. Yes, the Bible tells us that God has a booming voice, that God can break cedars with his voice. That means trees, in case you don't know. All right? But we also see, if you study scripture in Hosea 2.14, it says this, God will speak tenderly to his people. 
See, I think God has both voices, a loud, booming voice, but I think he also has that quiet, tame voice. And I think he speaks more through that. And here's what I want you to hear today. When you stop and you get silent, you can see the hand of God and you can hear the voice of God. You see, sometimes in our lives, we're so distracted that we miss what God's got going on right around us. We miss him. And and sometimes we want to hear from him so bad that we think he's given us something, but he hasn't told you anything yet. It reminds me of the story of Elijah. If you don't know about Elijah, Elijah killed a lot of false prophets. He had this just really cool um, victory. uh, But the queen hated him. And so he went into hiding. And then God said, hey, it's time to get up. It's time for you to stop hiding. It's time for you to get out of here. He's like, Get out of the cave and come and meet me. Listen to 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. It says this. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in the mantle, and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him. You see, when we think about God, we think that he's going to speak in this loud, booming voice. Yo, Matthew, listen to me, bud. I got something for you tonight. Hey, Alyssa, I see you. I don't think God actually speaks to us quite that loud. I think if we can learn anything from Elijah, it's simply this. We need to listen in the quiet. We need to get away. We need to take time to pause, to get still, and to truly listen to what God has to say, to not be distracted. Can I be real with you for just a second? I'm going to get you out of here in just a minute. It's so hard for me sometimes when I go home to get away from this device in my pocket, right? I get all my church emails on here. I get all the text messages from you guys. I get the Instagram notifications. I get all those things happening on my phone. And I know it drives my wife crazy. And so what I've had to learn to do, and Rusty can tell you this. This is something I've had to talk with him about, is when I get home, man, I can't have this thing around me anymore i got to take it and just throw it away. Sorry if that scared you. i got to get rid of the distractions in my life if I'm going to be present with my family, if I truly want to know what's happening in my wife's life, if I truly want to spend that time with my daughter. i got to get rid of the distractions. i got to put them away for a little bit. So what distractions do you need to put away for a little bit? What distractions in your life do you need to say, you know what, like right now, it's probably not the best time for me to be doing this. Right now, maybe, maybe, maybe dating somebody's not the best option for me. Maybe letting somebody speak into your life who shouldn't be speaking into your life isn't the best option. You see, when I think about this, I gotta ask you a question. What is it in your life that's drowning out God's voice? What is it that's distracting you from listening to him. So this week I have a simple challenge for you guys. Really, really simple challenge. 
Here's what I want you to do. Just like he did earlier. You guys have cell phones, right? This week, I want you to pull out your cell phone. I want you to pull up your notes. And each day, for the next seven days, this is what I want you to do. I want you to write where you saw God move that day. I want you to write where you saw God show up. Maybe you were praying for something and God showed up for that prayer request. Maybe somebody next to you needed you to just do something for them. Maybe somebody at Starbucks bought you coffee. I want you to write it down. Where did you see God move this past week? But here's the deal. If you don't stop and reflect each day, then you'll slowly start to lose your sight on God. You'll slowly start to not see him anymore. You'll be distracted by the things of this world. You won't hear from him. And so here's what I want you to know. God's working in our lives far more than we realize. And God wants to use you to work in other people's lives. He doesn't want you to live a distracted life. He doesn't want you to live a life where you're not hearing from him because you're so distracted by so many other things. For me, it's that right there. I got to get rid of my phone sometimes. I got to leave my computer here. I got to leave some of the work at work. And I got to just go and I got to be a part of my family's life. I got to be a part of my neighbor's life. I've got to get to know Javier on a better level. Right? What's that look like for you guys? This week on that notepad, I want you to write it out. And then I want you to share it with somebody. Where are you seeing God move in your life? Let's see what happens when we truly take God at his word. And we're not distracted. Let me pray for you guys and we're going to get out of here tonight. God, I say thank you. Thank you for this challenge that, Lord, you've given me in my own life. Lord, to not be distracted. God, to truly focus in on you, to truly give you the attention that you deserve. God, I know you're moving. I see evidence of it everywhere. But God, it's so easy to get distracted by the things of this world. So I pray for these students right now. God, I pray for their hearts. God, some of them, they need to cut out some really hard things in their lives right now. They need to give up some things that, God, they don't necessarily want to do. As a father tonight, I just pray that, Lord, you'll give them the courage. I pray that, Lord, for the next week, that, God, you will show up in their lives. That, God, they won't have any doubt that, Lord, you're real. That, God, you truly care about them. That you truly care about what's happening in their lives. And that you want to use them for a greater purpose. So tonight, Lord, show us what it is we need to cut out. And God, let us start to focus back in on you. Let us turn our attention to your words. Let us turn our focus to you. God, I love you, and I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.